0: Welcome to the Finding Faster podcast.
1: You were supposed to say hello, Jen.
0: So I just you you, you clicked out there. So just do it again.
1: Okay. Uh, one, two, three. Here we go. Hello, Dave. <laughs>
0: Hi, Jen. How are you? I'm good. It's funny that uh, we're not recording in our actual studio and then we're actually on phones about 10 miles apart.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're, we've definitely been having some technical difficulties uh, as newbie podcasters that we're still working out. So, Well, but also, <laughs> too,
0: we, 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 we all of a sudden decided, well, especially me, decided to take on a little extra project here. So it, it's put some things yeah. on the back burner.
1: Yeah. Well, we have our fans and our critics and uh, we always appreciate the feedback. Bear with us as we uh, stumble along in the first few weeks of getting to know our podcasting skills. No, I, I no,
0: but it actually the the feedback that we got was was pretty positive, and um, pretty positive. So we got some listens, and we'll we'll fine tune it. We'll get to be more consistent. Maybe as I brainstorm, maybe what we need to do is you need to record one week, and I need to do one uh, on a on a different week, and then we can we can put one out every week.
1: So the last few weeks has been uh, pretty busy on the triathlon scene, and in particular for you, you've been traveling.
0: Yeah, I'll travel with uh, with my announcing, and I'm off again tomorrow morning. At I just realized that uh, actually have a, my flight got changed to an earlier time, so I have a seven a.m. flight at SFO to go to Ironman Louisville tomorrow. And uh, so I was announcing at uh, I'll, I'll go to Louisville this weekend. I was in Chattanooga. Seems like last weekend, but it was two weekends ago. And then Santa Cruz, which was, uh, that was four weeks ago. So it's been a sort of a busy, uh, busy twist of a month.
1: Yeah, it's been really busy. And then here in Sonoma County, we had the Grand Fondo and the two-year anniversary of the fires.
0: Yeah, which was what, yesterday? I believe yesterday or the day before.
1: Technically yesterday. Some of us uh, feel like today is the real anniversary because it was sort of the morning after. Right, right. we woke up to a new world post fire, so it's been kind of an interesting ride as PGE starts these power shutoffs. Hopefully, you'll get out on your flight to, to yeah, Louisville hopefully tomorrow.
0: <laughs> That's the goal: get out of Dodge.
1: Yeah. So, um, let's talk about Santa Cruz first. We'll just do that really quick um, as an announcer's perspective. What did you What did you see?
0: Yeah. No. It's it was. It's a it's a great race um, for people that haven't done it. And the weather's usually consistent. You know, it, it's always uh, either a cool morning or a marine layer morning. And it was again, uh, it was a beautiful morning and, you know, high temperatures rarely get out of the 70s um and it's a you know coastal so there's actually some humidity and it, it's just beautiful i mean the course is is straightforward uh, it's a great course swim bike run it's an ocean swim but it's usually pretty calm maybe a little swell but it's a it's a fantastic race and tom cotton and his crew do a, do a fantastic job with it and it always sees a, sees a good field um mainly because of location but also because you have a lot of athletes that are trying to do uh their last maybe their last race before maybe for kona um, and also people that are trying to qualify for uh, 70.3 worlds early, sure. so we get that aspect of it. And um, there's always a good pro race. We had a good pro field, and you get know, all the same thing. A lot of the good pros that are there, they're they're really there for their last uh, sort of tune-up race before they go to Hawaii.
1: Right. So, anything interesting that sort of stood out in your mind? I mean, by this point, everyone knows what the stats are and what the, rundown yeah,
0: is sure. The race, but... Yeah. We could go through that, but that's easy to find out. I think the biggest thing was, and, you know, I was, I knew it a couple of days before the race and I ran into uh, staying in the same hotel with Marini Carfrey and, you know, I was just chatting with her and, um, she was actually her, her little daughter Izzy was was there as well. You know, I just asked her how she was doing, and she was, said she was worried because you know, she had actually fallen. And I said, "On your bike?" She goes, "No, I feel like a closet. I just fell over while wow, I was out for a twenty-minute jog." She oh, thought hey, she I... might and she, and she thought she might have broken her arm at the time. And two days later, she didn't start, which was an indication to me that there really was something wrong. So she ended My. up breaking breaking a bone in her elbow. Um, which has hampered her, you know, her swim training leading into Kona. So more than more than anything else, that's that's probably the biggest news that that came out of that race.
1: Yeah, I've lost her heart. I mean, we all love to to see Renny race, so we'll send her some good vibes and and hope uh, she heals up fast.
0: Yeah. Well, she's going to race. Yeah. You know, she'll race this weekend, and she's yeah. She's even already said that she knows she's just going to come out of the swim a little bit back, but everything else she said feels pretty good about. So. That's, that's, Santa, that's Santa Cruz.
1: Okay, so that's Santa Cruz for you. And then um, I think with uh, Chattanooga, it was kind of interesting if we felt, sort of fast forward to that race. Um, it was sort of like you and I had a lot of conversations about this race. I did it the year it was really hot in 2016. It was like 95 degrees and... Eighty or ninety percent humidity. The water was in the mid eighties. It was a miserable, (laughs) miserable
0: race. Yeah, and it was, Um, you know, and honestly, I I think it was it was probably. And and honestly, I think it was probably hotter than that. If you go back and look at historicals, it was probably ninety-seven or ninety-eight. And um and you know it's that humid in the morning. It yeah it's not as humid later in the day. That's but because it's so hot. And um, and we saw a similar day this year. And we knew it. And the thing is, we we knew this year. And I've going into the race looking at long term forecasts. And we we're talking to the race staff about it. And we knew well in advance how hot it was going to be, which was a little different because I think we all, as staff, but also athletes, had a chance to prepare, should have had a chance to prepare a little bit better. Whereas when we went in 2016, we had a group of athletes that went um it really wasn't until two or three days before that we knew how hot it was going to be so it was trying to figure out the best management you know in 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 the short term and luckily you know with experience you you know how to manage that and and I remember you even after the race or even to this day you're like we talked about that how to manage it and you're like as much as I slowed down I still could have slowed down a little bit more and that only comes with experience or listening to those with experience yeah
1: and unfortunately like you were saying um Within, in 2016, it was like we didn't really have a whole lot of lead time on how hot it was actually going to be. It happened fairly quick. And so there wasn't a lot of opportunity to heat, get heat acclimatized. And a lot of it was about man, uh, race management. And I know for me personally, I didn't have the best day. I had some other complications going right. on health-wise that um, led to my, one of my first DNFs. Um, not, a, not a great day for me. Uh, but what I will say is from from everything I remember that race day, the carnage was just ridiculous. I mean, the only other race I can remember seeing that much carnage at was, oh, um, Ironman Coeur d'Alene when it was like 110.
0: Yeah, you probably saw it in Louisville when I raced in Louisville. When in Louisville. So, you, you saw it from the sidelines. <laughs> yeah, it's a
1: different experience on the sidelines. I remember yeah. standing at Ironman Louisville, and this was when the race was back in, in the summer.
0: Yeah, it was in August.
1: It was in August, and I remember standing under the bridge where the swim exit was, and I was already sweating, and I (laughs) I had tank tops and flip-flops on and a pair of shorts. I wasn't even racing.
0: No, I was brutal. I was like,
1: oh, my Lord, it's going to be a bad day.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it was a tough one.
1: um, So... Anyway, getting back to Chattanooga, I just kind of want to, like, we've had a lot of conversations about this, but I know from announcing standpoint, and even from a coaching standpoint, because, you know, we, obviously we have our, our crew that we work with, um, I, I was sort of bewildered by the DNF rate. Like, like, it was very similar to 2016, and, and, you know, I would I would have thought that, that athletes may have been a little bit more cautious in their preparation and their execution. I mean, what are your thoughts on that from what well, you saw? You were there firsthand. Right.
0: And you know, I think we can do a whole recording a whole podcast on, and it's probably something we should, we should do in the, in the future, maybe as we get into spring and get into warmer weather races. But one of the things that, and, and it's similar to if you're racing at altitude that we talk about, the best way to prepare for heat and or to prepare for altitude is be very, very fit. I mean, that is the best. First of all, the best way to be ready for those kind of conditions. But we all know that not every not everybody's coming into the race in, in that sort of situation. Um, you can do, you can do your, some sort of heat training again, and uh, we could go on and on. And a lot of people overdo the heat training. I actually spoke with an athlete. He says, Oh, I should have been ready for it. I did all my long, long runs in the middle of the day when it was 90 to 92 degrees. And, and I said to him at that time, I said, well, there's your problem. There, there lies your problem that you, you're doing these runs that are chronically depleting, um, chronically um, poor quality. Uh, and, and, you know, as well as I do, if you're doing that much training in the heat, it takes a lot longer to recover from everything. So, um, that's not the best way to go about heat uh, acclimatization, but anyway, the one thing that's
1: very much like the altitude training that we talked about too. Right. Yeah. Like, um, it's almost like overdosing or ODing on the training and you don't, you don't reap the rewards of the actual training. Because right.
0: you're still broken down. Yep. No, absolutely. That's 100%. So, you know, so one thing we're seeing is that, you know, a lot of people are getting into the sport and it's hard to look at, you know, how, how many of those people were first timers or, or newbies or don't train in the heat or we don't know what their preparation is. But um, I, I think the first thing that and I tried to get this message across at athlete briefings and speaking with athletes and whether it's athletes we coach or athletes at briefings is that you have to slow down and it's not slow down after three hours. It's slow down as soon as the gun goes. Um, swim. Yeah. And, and when you're swimming in the water was, you know, you might say, Oh, it was 81 degrees. And that's what I always swim in in a pool. you still lose a lot of fluids in an 81 degree pool. So you're going to lose fluids. You know, you're going to have a swim cap on, which, increases that rate with the humidity the way that it was even just sitting and moving before the race you're going to lose fluids um but then as soon as you
1: i distinctly remember and i'm not sure i just want to jump in here real quick like the year that in 2016 i remember standing at the swim start and the water was in the low to mid 80s and people were standing in the wetsuit wave and i was just floored.
0: Yeah. No, and I don't a, know
1: if that was the same case with this year's race. No, it's Chattanova. the same thing.
0: There there were people standing around in wetsuits, you know, some sleeves waiting to start. And and the fact that they had just this, this the wetsuit on, let alone I saw people they were asking about speed suits. I said, don't pull that speed suit up or put it on until as close as you can before the start. That just adds a layer of compression and heat generation. Um, inside your body as well so even so it starts as early as just standing in line waiting for the race to start so that that heat generation inside your system starts as soon as the well, we'll just say as soon as the gun goes in a race like that and i could see it at the swim exit people's faces how red they were um how stressed their bodies uh, already were and it was and it just I think it just downslides from there. And once you get to a certain terminal point, you can't do anything to get your core temp down other than just stopping, getting into a cool and cool environment, um, which actually, it did have some cooling buses on the bike course, which I heard afterwards. They people got to the point where they just stopped and got on the buses and never got off them. Um, they just dropped out. Um, but I, I think it's a great, that would even be a great strategy to stop at those cooling buses for five minutes and pull bring your fluids from your bike into that environment and drink and cool down and then go back out and continue. If so the biggest thing I think an athlete can do is go back to that is a slow down, but also change your thought process process on the race from maybe performance to doing, hey, what do I need to do to finish with just a steady controlled effort? And I think the people that did that, had very good days. And we saw a lot of people finish that look really in control. uh, And they obviously took that. Um, And then the flip side to that, I was in Chickamauga, which is uh, they come through or they're on the loop on the bike twice and early in the race. And, and, you know, I used to be one of them, but I'll bag on them a little bit. The the fast male age groupers, the rate of speed and the effort that they were coming through with the, and you can see it in their face, how hard they were working and, and how hot they were. Um, and I saw them get off the bike and there was a a lot of them that I never saw come to the finish line. Um, so it's just, I think it's a matter of taking your ego, chucking it out the window and having some strategies for, for cooling across the day.
1: Yeah. And I think we've had, we've, we have talked about that before, kind of like checking your ego in your pocket, Mm -hmm. uh, reining yourself in a little bit and, um, you know, it, it does start. In the swim and in the early part of the day, I I think a lot of um, athletes at hot races sort of miscalculate the long-term effect of elevating your body, your core body temperature, as early as in the swim, and then, like you said, they just never really are able to to bring that core temperature back down. Now, it's really nice to hear that one of the ways that I am uh, Ironman adapted to this. Event because I remember in 2016 there were so many ambulances going back and forth right. with people and renal failure and everything um, that they've added these cooling stations, um, mo- r- mobile cooling stations. So that's that's actually a really cool adaptation that they've made.
0: Um, in I thought it was weather. I thought it was really <laughs> intelligent and I encourage some athletes to do it. They're like, really, you think I should stop? I said, what, what's your goal time? They're like, I just want to finish. I go, stop. You know, use Gosh, it. <laughs> yeah use it yeah. use it use it three times you know and to be honest with you and they had ice socks early in the run that people could pick up and refill so they were really preemptive they learned from 2016. oh ice socks are um, golden yeah. if you can
1: get your hands on one of those yeah.
0: so you know so credit so credit to them for doing that and you know it was um you know it was fantastic and and really the, like you go back to once you get your core temp up there's only one way to stop it get it to come down and that is to just stop and keep being a cool environment. And I remember I had to do it in Kona one year. I just got, part of it was, um, uh, digestive stuff. And part of it was heat related. It was a one of the, it was a super humid year where it rained the morning of the race. And I told myself if I ever got in that situation that I would just stop. And, and I, it, it took me a while to pull my ego, but I stopped at mile. I don't know. It was probably 13 or 14. I stopped in a, in a, aid station in the tent and I told the gentleman the the volunteer I said don't let me leave here in less than 10 minutes he goes okay I'm gonna hold you to it and I just sat there and I poured cold water on me I put ice in my head I put ice everywhere that I could put it and I just sat there enough that I could digest the stuff that was in my stomach and okay so my the time that I was originally shooting for is gone out the window But I was able to start running again. And by the time I got to like the turnaround in the energy lab, I I actually had a really solid run back from the energy lab. Um, And ironically, I was running with Karen Smyers, the old pro who won in 95. She was having having a tough day, too. And she finished just ahead of me. But if we choose to take our egos out of it, we can turn we can take 10 minutes um, and lose it at one time as opposed to losing an hour later, later in the race.
1: Yeah, and I think that's a really good point is um, knowing when to, to rein yourself in so that you can um, do like what you did and salvage your race. And, and it may not be, I think when it's a, a, a race like that, you shift your goals maybe from having a PR day right. to just seeing what the day gives you right. and um, getting to the finish line is right. is, is the ticket, Right.
0: Yeah. And it should, to be honest with you, that's a day for me based on fitness and et cetera. So there should have been a PR day. And I had to realize at some point, okay, it's not going to be a PR day. Um, so here's what I need to do. And I, in part of it, I was fortunate because in Kona, I was never at a level where I was going to be in any sort of top 10 in the age group. I wasn't racing that way. It was very personal where if I was at a, you know, a regular race, it might've been going for a Kona spot or, or a top five or whatever it might be. So it was easier to pull that out of the equation and just say, you know what, I just need to finish and I just need to stop and cool down. So you, you know, you're right about that. It was a good decision, but I also learned that from making mistakes, you know, in the 15 years, 10 years previous or whatever it was.
1: Yeah. And, and I've definitely made those mistakes too. Um, uh, talking about mistakes, my, my last experience, uh, the super hot races I, I've done quite a few hot, really hot. Yeah, you events, have.
0: <laughs> You
1: know, Davis Double, and it was over 100 degrees, and Ironman Coeur d'Alene at 110. And um, Chattanooga had a really unusual set of circumstances that happened that day. And um, when, and and you were there, so you know. bee stings and other things. I'm allergic to bees and a, a couple other health issues. Well, we had a
0: lot of layers that that, a lot that of sort layers. of just that that broke the camel's back on a on a given day, and that's just well, that's racing. That's why we challenge ourselves sometimes, and we don't foresee yeah. those things.
1: So, um, ca- sort of capitalizing on that learning experience, when is it a good time to throw in it throw in the towel? Let's say you're having that day. And, you know, in retrospect, maybe I should have just thrown in the towel that right. day. Right.
0: Yeah. And I think and I wouldn't
1: have wound up in an ambulance.
0: Right. Well, and I think there's just and, and from a from a perspective as a coach and a husband, I think there's a couple there's a couple layers to it. Um, you tend to and I did the same when I was racing. I tend to uh, sort of hide my discomfort a little bit. And I think we know when each other just are uncomfortable. Um, and then and I think at a certain point when you think that, when everything's going a little haywire, it's really hard to make that decision to just to just stop and sit down. And you actually did that at, the, at an aid station, and they helped you. But um, when we get to the point where we think, like, okay, there, I've got either two sides. I've got nothing to prove, and maybe I should just walk and finish or whatever it takes to finish without doing any damage. But if you feel like you're in a situation that's going to produce some sort of physical damage – um, I think that's when the, when the decision comes in, whether that's injury, illness, um, whatever it might, you know, whatever it might be. Um, and then, you know, for me, on the outside looking in, um, when I saw you at half, we, we knew early on that, okay, this is not going to be a PR day. And then we knew yeah. when, when you started the run, we knew what was going on with the, some of the health stuff. Like, hey, n- no pressure, you know. And, and I should have seen the sign at mile eight when you take, had gotten rid of your ISOC. And you tried to explain to me why you got rid of it, and it didn't make any sense. Um, sense. No, it didn't. And I at mile thirteen, I should have either just had made some get another ice sock for you, do whatever, or just said, "Listen, you need to run a minute, walk a minute." So then my lesson is, uh, you know, I could have picked up signs on it because I think it might be a little bit easier from the outside to do that. So um, sometimes it's hard to make that decision, but sometimes that decision, you know, is is the right decision. And, and, and it helped us in Arizona last year when, again, you're in good shape and you go to Arizona, it wasn't a weather thing, but it was a, um, an illness thing you picked up from the combination of the fires and, um, friends that you had that were sick. And actually a lot of people you were around that were sick and, yeah, everybody um,
1: had tied a couple
0: other things and you would just ha- you had the cold, but there were some other things fighting against you and, and but you managed it. we got to a point and we, I saw you at that one point on the bike and I said, just try and get through the rest of the bike and I'll see you teach you. you know And then I saw you and you actually had come around a little bit and you knew and and I knew and it was easy for us to make a decision after having been through it before, say, hey, listen, just finish, you know finishes is, is golden and when we start, I think our goal is always to finish.
1: Yeah, sometimes it's just about finishing what you started, right? Yeah. yeah. Even if it's not your day. So,
0: well, when we talked about two, that was twofold in, in Arizona. Um, and you know, I talked about this because we're intimate with it because we know it, but this would go for any athlete that we work with. But that finish in Arizona was like two finishes for you. That was, that was finishing Arizona, but it was also finishing Chattanooga. So, at the end, at the end of, at the end of that it, at the end of it, there was a lot of emotion. It was like yeah, I'm doing this for two races, and and I think that's that's positive, and I think that's healthy. Um, it's you know, it's not hey, yeah, this is redemption. This is, you know, psychologically feeling accomplished again. Right,
1: and sometimes that's where you have to go. Um, so I think that the the kind of the whole thing that this sort of brings into focus for me is you know especially with age group athletes, it's like you, you really have to kind of have perspective on your life and things that are going on around you. Um, whether it's the fires or an illness or the heat. And, um, and I think if you're some, sometimes maybe your spouse is too close, maybe having your coach there is what you need, um, to kind of like, we always like to say, pull your hat out of here. Yep. Yep. Rearing, you know, um, because sometimes it's really hard when, especially if you're a performance-oriented athlete and or you're really driven, and most of us are, you're kind of in your bubble, right? Um, then sometimes it's hard to get out of your own way. And that's where having um, somebody you really trust on the sidelines to help you make those important decisions about health, I think, are really key. Um, we're here for, for fun and for fitness and to... Um, you know, do incredible things, but we also want to remain safe and healthy as well. Agreed. Well, um, anyway, I think if our listeners want to learn more about basic heat exercise physiology, um, well, you know, Alan Cousins. Yeah, uh, no, Alan's
0: a great, Alan's a fantastic resource. He's, he's a data weenie and I love Alan. He's, 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 he's a data weenie, but he's fantastic. And if anything that he puts out is, uh, um, athletes should uh, heed with it, that it's good advice.
1: Yeah, so I would encourage you to um, go over to the um, the EP, the Endurance Planet podcast, and listen to his um, conversation about heat and physiology. Um, it was really fascinating, really interesting listen. Um, for all of our exercise science people, you get to geek yourself out, and for everyone else, he does a really nice job of explaining it in understandable terms. Yeah, and so- beyond the
0: other things, I'm Alan, and knowing Alan, he pulls into the fact like when we, when you race in Kona or in that kind of, <coughs> excuse me, in that kind of environment, um, your ability to metabolize fat is reduced as well. So your need for carbohydrate goes up. So, which really means part of that is having to slow down. Um, and you, know, you just can't, you just can't crank out the same efforts as you, as you normally would.
1: Right. So, um, I think those of you watching Kona or have, um um interest and heat adaptation or um nutrition and 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 heat it's a good listen i I would encourage you to listen to it um so with chattanooga now behind us we're moving forward this weekend into two races um there's lots of obviously focus on the world championships in kona um because it's the world championship (laughs) Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of great uh, podcasts out there already on this. One is on um, Ride Shimano Radio. There's a really good one on um, kind of the history of Ironman and um, how the race has sort of evolved and the equipment has evolved um, with uh, Craig Alexander and Dave Scott. It's a really interesting listen. I would encourage you to do that. It's on Stitcher and iTunes. Um, And Dave Scott and um, Mark Allen actually have a new little project that they're working on called 1989 the story and it's a collection of short stories um, on their website called 1989 the story.com and um, they each are going through and kind of chronicling um, the period in time when they were racing together and Dave, I know you've met um, Mark a couple times and and actually back in the day when I first got into triathlon coaching, Dave Scott was my first um, triathlon teacher. <laughs> I coached for team and training and he ran the national team and training um, coaches certification program. And I have to say, I learned a lot from the guys. So um, it's really fascinating read. I would encourage you to go and look at that, especially as we approach Kona this week. Um, they have lots of, of cool little historical tidbits in there. Um, what do you think about that, Dave?
0: Oh, I, I mean, I've followed that a little bit, and you know, I've been fortunate enough to actually interview and, and have sort of um, rapport with with Mark more than Dave, but Dave as well. And um with dave we did a we chronicled the 89 race and we talked about the insights of it and this probably goes back eight or ten years and what's really more than anything is and you can go and read about and they they tell the story about the race all the time and a lot of athletes know it and it's funny when people refer to oh the the whatever race in conan was just like mark and dave's you know iron war i go no no it wasn't i go until the day that two guys get out of the water together ride together the whole time and run together the whole time. No race will ever really be like, um, and Mark and Dave just the history with the two of them is really interesting because the reality is, is those guys, it's not that they didn't get along, but they had this competitive relationship where they just didn't speak much. Um, they had respect for each other and it's taken them a long time to, um, evolve that relationship where they have a much better friendship now and they can collaborate on things like this because now as a, as a pair, they realized what that race meant to the history of the sport. So it's really a to see that, to see them evolve as storytellers uh, in the history of, of that race and what that race really was compared to anything we've ever had.
1: Yeah. They were really competitors with, with each other there for right. quite a few years. I think in the, I think, I was pretty young in the sport, but I think I caught the tail end of their career.
0: Right. Well, it was interesting because in 1989, from that race, it's the last time they ever raced each other. They never raced each other again after that. And what, yeah. was, what was ironic was you know, uh, he won in 89, and then he won every year up to 94, and then in 95, um, excuse me, all the way through 93, and then he didn't race in 94. And the irony was that Dave did race in 94. Mark came back, right. raced raced for the last time in 95, won in 95, and then um, retired. And then Dave came back and raced in 1996. So when I, I inter- when, when I interviewed Dave the last time, I said, so Dave, this is, this is my theory. And I've never heard anybody talk about it or ask the question. I go, but I thought, and I just said the same thing to him. I go... After 89, you and Dave, or you and Mark never raced against each other again. I go, was there some sort of alliance that said, you know what? We will never duplicate that. Let's never race again. And he sort of laughed at me. And uh, it's funny. He never said yes or no. So it was, that's sort of like the, the mystery of Dave Scott. But anyway, it was always interesting. That was the last time they raced each other.
1: Okay. So let's play this little game. So if you had um, a question for each of them, what would be the question now?
0: Um, I, I would ask, I think you, you ask him, I think I'd ask Dave a different question than Mark. And I would ask Dave, what would you do differently to prolong your career? Because he had these very these distinct periods where we, he would chronically be injured and he would sort of get ready for October. Wouldn't he have to pull out? So that would be my question for him, like what he might do differently based on his knowledge now. Um, and then, you know, with Mark, he, he had a different evolution than Dave. It was this very slow burn in, in Hawaii anyway. And you know, you know, my, my question for him was, do you, would you um, – I'm trying to think of the way to phrase it. Would you have rather raced Dave another time, or was it good going out that way in 1989? Not because he won, but because that race brought out the best in both of them.
1: So in other words, when he was done, was he really done?
0: Yeah, and yeah, exactly. And, you know, and he even said when he, in 1995, after yeah. he he knew yeah. that he was done. And and I was actually racing, I was racing that year. And he, at the finish line, my family's near the finish line when he finished, and he came across the line and, you know, he was exuberant and had his, I think Matt's was young at the time, he was a year old, had Matt's handed him handed match back to his wife, Julie, who was his wife at the time. And then all of a sudden, two minutes later, three minutes later, he threw up, they said he threw up about a gallon of just a mix of fluids. Um, And he, and he even said he felt like his body four or five minutes later, that was the end of his career. Like he didn't have anything left to give, even though he did a couple races after that, he just really didn't have anything left after that. And that's considering the history of that race, that's not a bad way to go out.
1: Yeah, I would say it sounds like the well was dry after yeah, that. absolutely. <laughs> which, which you only have so many times you can visit the well. We've yep, talked about yep. that. And I think with uh, with Dave Scott, that's probably a pretty valid question, um, especially now that, you know, he spends a lot of time talking in this interview with Craig Alexander about how the equipment has changed and nutrition has changed and training has changed. So it would be a really interesting um,
0: uh,
1: listen yeah. Those couple and, my, and
0: my guess is he would, without going into it, he would change his training knowing the, the type. And it's easy to do it and look back on it and say that, but that would be still be a good question.
1: Yeah. Cause that was like, what, 20 years ago. And things yeah. have changed a lot yeah. since then. So
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah, I, I think those are good questions, Dave. Way to go. Good interview questions. So um, anything you want to talk about with Kona? I mean, there's a lot of podcasts out there
0: too. There's a, there's a good one on EP as
1: well. Yeah. So, there's, I mean,
0: there's um, a lot of stuff and on, do a nice job. So there, there's a lot, a lot of, it gets to the point where there's, I hate to say it, but there's almost too much. And it's uh, if you, if you listen enough, it's, it's the same things being said over and over again. And I know the athletes, you know, cause I know some of them, they, they get tired of it and they're just ready to, they're ready to hide it and shut it away and and show up on Saturday and race. So, but there's, there's some good stuff out there. And actually to be honest with you, if you want, you know, some people that have a fresh perspective, um, Cameron, Cameron Worf. if you can listen to anything from Cam, he comes comes from a variety, he was an Olympic rower and then he went into cycling and now he's in the triathlon. And, um, you have to understand the Australian sense of humor to understand him, but he, he brings, uh, a well-spoken perspective that's that's different than some of the people um you know that are around right now and i love the germans i love to listen to the germans and you know but pick your pick your the ones that you're that you're fascinated with and listen to. and those but two the,
1: awesome guys we used to
0: listen to all the time oh the the guys on iron man talk are good john newson and bevan, bevan bevan yeah. james isles they're both kiwis and uh, you know you know they're they're really good so there's so much stuff out there but um if Ironman Talk is doing stuff, I haven't looked at any of their stuff this week because I'm getting ready to travel again to Louisville. And... But th- those guys are fantastic. And you, know, you mentioned Torsten, and, and Torsten's interesting because, you know, he he has stuff, but it's all statistical-based. It's not based on anything other than that. So he'll make predictions, and he'll say, oh, you know, so-and-so is predicted to go this time or whatever time, and that's just based off of off, – off of, um, you know, office of, off, of, of off of stats, and I'm just the opposite. I'm like, I, I understand where you know, from a coaching perspective and understanding athletes, like what they've had for a year, what kind of training they've done, and you know, and one more thing that I'll add in is when you look at the race, pretty much everyone that have an impact on the race, qualified, and is there. Um, and the first person, and there's always people, and you've heard me say this, I go, There's always two or three people that either are not going to start. Or you're going to find out the day before the race that they've been carrying an injury or they've been sick, whatever it is, and, and found out a couple of days ago, um, Terenzo Bizzoni's not racing; uh, he's had a, an Achilles injury. Um, Andrew Starkovich is sick, um, so there's going to be there's going to be more that come out uh, of the woodwork race day or before. Uh, it just it always happens.
1: Okay, so then let's just sort of cut to the chase. Um, what are your picks? What
0: are your top five picks for the Um, men? Five is, it's almost funny. It's it's almost easier to go three and it's, it's it's crazy because it's, it's (laughs) everyone's going to, Oh, you're just going to pick everybody. But in the women's race, I think it's really hard to go over Lucy Charles, Daniela reef. And I think, um, but I think Rennie's not Rennie. I think if Rennie hadn't had the swim thing, I would have picked her third, but I would say she'll be in the top five. But I think we're looking at um, Daniela reef. Lucy Charles and then Annie Howe um, getting getting back into the top three, which is really the same top three as last year. But I think it's going to be different. Uh, I think Lucy and Danielle Danielle are going to have her work cut out for her by Lucy Charles is going to push her a lot more than this year. So that's that's sort of my just instinctive top three. And like I said, if Rennie had the elbow thing, I think Rennie would have run her way. Um, And I think she's just out of that because of her. A slow swim this year
1: okay and then any dark horses in the top 10 for the women
0: you know I think there's a lot of dark horses one one person that has not raced well there but has raced well in other places and raced well in Texas this year is Jocelyn McCauley so I'd watch her Jocelyn McCauley I, mean, I, I could envision her anywhere from um, you know fourth or fourth or fifth to the 10th she's probably someone that maybe a lot of people haven't uh, paid a lot of attention to that's going to be in the she's going to be in the mix
1: and then, um, any veterans,
0: um, you know,
1: long-time Kona vets, let's say well, they've been there five, 10 times.
0: I, I think you're, I think that that experience is huge and that's going to be a Heather Jackson parfrey and it, you're going to have, and then you're going to have Lindsay Corbin, um, who is just always sneaking in the back door into the top 10. Right. So, and she was, you know, she was, I forget what she was last year. She was ninth or she was 10th. I mean, but. There was only about ninety seconds, or it was a real small window of time, a couple of minutes that was separated ninth to fifth. Um, so that'll be interesting, and and you know someone like a Sarah on piano who's going to run her way forward into the race that she'll be off the radar the entire race. And you look in the last ten k, all of a sudden you're like, oh, Sarah's in twelfth, stairs in eleventh, and this it could be the same thing for Lindsay as well.
1: Right. Anybody, uh, local, I think Sarah's,
0: Sarah's, Sarah's Bay local. area. Yeah. And then if you look at newcomers, there's a, there's a German called Laura Phillip. Um, she could easily uh, be in the top top five if she puts her race together.
1: Yeah. Um, Kelsey Withrow another new newbie.
0: Yeah. Yep. It'll be interesting to see how she goes for the first time, you know, out yeah, there.
1: Um, so good luck to all the ladies. And then what about the gentlemen?
0: Um, uh, you know, I think it's going to be hard to look past for Dano. He's, I think he's healthy and he's fit and he's hungry because he, he, he's yeah. last two years have been difficult for him. Um, so I, I'm going to pick for, for Dano to win. And um, I, I think that's uh, laying second. Um and Sebastian Keenley third. I think it's gonna go a German sweep. And then if we look at a potential who German get in there, I, I think a lot of people are looking past Lionel Sanders because he was injured earlier in the year. And to be honest with you, considering the destructive type of training that he has done in the past, I honestly think whether he we whether he understands why or not, he he is gonna be in the top five, if not in the top three. I think he is gonna have a fantastic race when a lot of people don't think, and maybe he doesn't even think that, uh, but mainly okay, because he's hang
1: on a second. Hang on a second. What do you mean by destu- destructive training?
0: Well, if, if anyone has ever followed him or had an idea of what he does, the, the amount of, uh, it, it, he's it, he, and he's even admitted, admitted you talking it,
1: about volume intensity. Well,
0: both. Yeah. Both? Just, just always trying to race himself in training and hit prescriptive number of Watts and paces and, and things like that. And, uh, Die of being the best athlete he could be. I mean, he was second a couple of years ago, but oh, everyone, man. but everyone, you know, said, Oh, but he was second a couple of years ago. And, and I have said to this date, I go, but he should have won. If he was a little fresher and hadn't beaten himself up so much, he should have won. So everyone like, says he was second, but me being wow. the coach is the person I said, but, but because of the training he did, He wasn't first. Um, So anyway, he's someone who has tended to overtrain. He'll even admit it. Um, And it's just a matter of if he makes the right decisions on race day. But I think he's going to be – he'll be right there as well. And it's hard to pick now. There's so many guys doing the right thing.
1: So we could say maybe a dark horse there.
0: Yeah, dark horse mainly because – because people look at his year and he was quiet and he had he had the injury and he qualified late. Normally he wouldn't be a dark horse, um, but um, you know he, he'll be there. And it wouldn't surprise me if if, if Cam Worf or a Braden Curry round the top five. You know, last year everyone everyone always discounts uh, David Backman, the the Scottish guy. It's so funny because no one ever talks about him. Then the last two years he's been third, so it's. It's so hard to tell. You
1: across the finish line uh, with Kilton.
0: Yeah, no, really, it's 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 funny. I you can predict all, we can predict all we want, but all it takes is for one of those guys to have a bad ten minute patch on the ten mile patch on the bike, and then and then they're they're fifth instead of third, or or eighth instead of second, or whatever it is.
1: Yeah, it's amazing how it always comes down to splitting hairs, right? Yep. (laughs) Okay, Um, so we sort of got a dark horse. there how about one of the veterans
0: um you know i'm I, i'm gonna say ben hoffman um it just when we talk allegiance to the to the u.s so so ben hoffman and uh, it's funny no one ever talks about him. talking about him for two years but andy potts always way into the andy top potts 10, so, always so, yeah yeah and he's about eighty-four I years old Indiana. now. No, sorry, Andy. Andy's you know in his early forties, but um, but I I think Ben's on really good form. And and what's going to be fun, and we saw it last year a little bit, was that like in the men's race, fourth through about eighth or ninth, it was separated by about two minutes in the race, and that's and that's going to happen again this year. So. Um, that'll be, it, it's just going to be, it's just fun to watch. You know, you get to the point, you can predict all you want. We used to do a pool where we, you know, pick can get points and do whatever, but Oh it's yeah, just-
1: We're going to do our Kona football pool. I'm putting money down on, I'm putting cash money down on that. I'm coming for you, Dave. You better watch out.
0: Just with Kona, I think the biggest thing was that, Uh, you know we're gonna it's just gonna be fun to watch there's just gonna be so many um, you know so many athletes that are that are on good form and it's it's always it's always an interesting race to watch and and to see the stories that uh, um, are created over eight to nine hours
1: so for your picks that sort of wraps it up right
0: yep i'm wrapped up i'm gonna stick with them until i change them on friday because on Friday, we always joke around, because on Friday, we used to go and watch bike check-in, and there'd always be people just didn't check their bike in.
1: Oh, yeah. From, from on top of the, the, what, Cassandra's? We used to get fish tacos
0: uh, there. Fish tacos so and have a few cocktails.
1: Have a few adult beverages. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm coming for you, Dave. You better watch out. Friday, All right. have my picks, and game I'm going to win some cash money. Game Game on. Game on. So that's enough about Kona. If you want to know anything else, I'm sure there's plenty of other things to listen to, right? Uh, too much. <laughs> that's enough about that. Um, we'll follow up when we find out what really happens. And let's move on to Louisville.
0: Louisville, Kentucky. I am on a ridiculously early flight pattern tomorrow morning to go to, to, go to Louisville. And then uh, Louisville this year is not a pro race, so it is an age group race only. It is um, 40 qualifying spots for 2020 World Champs in Kona, of course. And what's new in Louisville? Well, it's been in this fall um, timestamp now for probably four years. Maybe this is the fourth year, which I think is, in general, is a good move. I mean, the the weather that was typical of that race was, you know, warm and humid. And then some years it was ridiculously hot and humid, and they got a couple – decent ears in there, but the, you know, the move is good. So um, the reality is it's a, it's a great course. The community supports it. It's one of the coolest finish lines uh, in the sport, which is on fourth street live, which is that sort of indoorish, outdoorish, downtown um, finish in Louisville, which is fantastic. And uh, the biggest, the biggest change is they've, they've changed the run course from being uh, out just sort of on the surface streets in the city to more of a combination of city sp- Uh, surface streets. And then uh, I guess it's just the river path or the river bike path, um, you know, along the, you know, along the river there. um, Yeah. It's supposed to be really
1: beautiful.
0: Yeah. It's supposed to be, the weather's supposed to be fantastic on race day, although the day before doesn't look great. Actually, I just looked at it again. It's a high of 60 degrees with the chance of some rain overnight Friday into Saturday, which isn't a bad thing. And then race day, we're looking at 70 degrees and sunny. So a little oh, in the morning. yeah, chi- that is
1: primo race weather. Yeah,
0: though. it is. It's going to be a little chilly in the morning, but it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a good day. I'm looking forward to going back. The last time I was there, I raced there, uh, so I'm I, I just like it, you know. Having spent some time in the south, it's uh, I like going back there, and I I, I enjoyed Louisville. And you know, I, I raced last time I raced there. I raced with a, a good friend and an athlete that I coach, Mike Starkey, and so it's, uh, Starkey. it it brings back uh, it brings back good memories.
1: Yeah, this is like one of those races right now I look and I wish I'm, I'm like, I wish I was fit to go race right now because the weather looks amazing. Yeah. And the course is beautiful. I mean, I've, I've been out on the bike course. Um, I think last time we were there when you were racing, I was just really um, impressed with how friendly the communities were and how beautiful the, the rolling countryside was and um, all the cute little shops and nice mm-hmm. people out there. Yeah, um, some, I, some... I was really impressed with the area and it's a really pretty race and a very cool finish line. I, I'm going to say it's my second favorite finish line because I always um, thought that the Lake Placid finish line was the coolest.
0: Oh, that's hard to beat. Yeah. With the, with the oval there and I, I raced there and same thing with um
1: and then
0: Louisville, and then Kona. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Coeur d'Alene is a good one. So now you say that it's. A, yeah, I feel really fortunate to and raced, raced in some of the places that I race. So it's, uh, but I I enjoyed Louisville, and I love I love I love Chattanooga as well from the same stand, the standpoint of like you said the, the people and the way the community supports it, and, um, that whole aspect to it. So it's two great communities, uh, that have these races in the. It's, people say Louisville's in the south, but it's actually pretty far north. So I guess it's right. all, it's on the border. <laughs>
1: All right so for athletes rolling into town um what's the scoop what should they know since you're the you're the announcer well right? what, you're gonna what be they should know line? is just
0: they should they should you know make sure they view their athlete guides and their race schedules and things like that get to a race briefing which uh myself and, and dave downey will be there and i think dave will probably do a, a majority of the of the briefings and then you know we'll do you know we got our spiels to do at the, uh, we got our Iron Kids race on Saturday, so if you've got little kiddos, you can get them signed up. That that, 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 that's a lot of fun. And then, you know, race day, we're all over the place um, between swim start, swim finish, and then um, I'll be out in Lagrange, Grange, which is similar to Chickamauga, which is sort of the hot corner on the bike, and then, you know, back at the finish line. We'll probably have a hot corner on the run too, since the run stays down along the river for a whole bunch before it pops up into town. So, um, main, main thing for athletes is, is, if you're going to Louisville, I mean, first off, enjoy it. it it's a cool place to be. Um, Enjoy the race, but just get your ducks in a row before the race. The weather looks good. So we're not looking at any situations that that are weather wise. And we'll give, obviously give everybody their updates at the athlete briefings in terms of water temps and any other little things that we've got going on.
1: Any thoughts on the course on managing it? Um, You
0: know, it's just, you can't change anything that, you know, you don't have, not really enough to manage weather or anything like that or heat. Um, you might have to manage a cool weather in the morning. So be leery of that and what you might want to put on uh, after you do get out of the swim, but the water is going to be reasonably warm. So it won't be a cold water to a cold air swim. Um, but the bike course is really the, you know, the, the place to be careful in terms of the rolling terrain and some of the small climbs It's really just, you know, hopefully you've you've practiced that in training and you've understood it in training in terms of what your outputs are, be it power, be it heart rate, be it the combination of both and perceived exertion and, I mean, it's really no different than any other race that we talk about is, and uh, I'll say it to my athletes is, you know, follow that plan strictly the first 80 miles and at 80 miles, you feel like going a little harder, you can go a little harder, but uh, I still haven't come across an athlete that at 80 at eighty miles says, you know what, I feel like I want to go harder now.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's, that's very true. And that's actually reminds me of a conversation we had a couple of weeks ago about, um, about pacing the Ironman for especially our, our age groupers, this is an age group race. Um, and really the goal is, you know, and when you and I have heard this before, and I think it's a little different from, um, an elite age grouper standpoint, or let's say semi-professional where the race is, isn't really the last 10 K. I mean, for most age groupers, it's really the first 80 miles of, of the, of the bike. And, and it's the, the first, yeah, the it's, it's, it's
0: the first four to it's five hours of your day of your day. Yeah.
1: So properly executing your, your race um, plan then I think is is the key to setting up success to get to the finish line right. there. And right? it's
0: not just – and not just properly, but you really have to be honest with you. And that's where, you know, from we can say this from a coaching perspective. If you have someone in your corner, they have to be honest with you. And you, if it's not and you're doing it by yourself, you have to be honest with yourself about what's – uh, what's realistic and for most people what's realistic is take what, what you think is realistic and, and drop it down one gear, one notch, whatever or as you like to say, Jen, one inch when we're on a bike ride, you know pull it back yeah. one inch. Um, back and like I said, <laughs> if you if you get to mile 80 and you feel that good where you can crank it up and and a good colleague of mine said years ago when we were joking in a conversation, he's like, you know, If for some reason you really think you went too slow on the bike ride, you have 26.2 miles to make up for it. Exactly.
1: Exactly.
0: Gordo Burn.
1: Gordo Burn. We won't remember that guy. All right. Uh, Any other thoughts?
0: No, that's it. If you're going to Louisville, enjoy it. If you're in Hawaii or watching Hawaii, have fun watching that. And it's a lot of stuff with Kona's on Saturday. So remember that Kona's Saturday, Louisville's on Sunday. Um, That Kona race, you can watch on the uh, the Ironman, uh, the Facebook channel, the Ironman Now channel on Facebook Watch. Uh, They'll do that. That's going on. They'll cover the pro race all day and then, uh, the Louisville race, you know, will just be sort of standard uh, text updates and get up, get the trackers for both races, put your favorites in there and, um, you know, follow the race along. So schools in Louisville at the, uh, at the race venue, which is all outside by the river now, Jen, out down by the transition areas, we will okay. put the, uh, we put the Kona race up on the big screen and uh, we oh, sort okay. of follow it during the afternoon when people are checking in bikes and doing their last athlete briefings. It's kind of fun.
1: That sounds like a lot of fun. Yep. Well, I hope everybody has fun at the races this weekend, and um, Dave, we'll catch up with you next
0: time. Yeah, peace out.
1: Peace out.